Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Hey, welcome to the COB. It is the 24th of September. My goodness, almost through this month and almost through the week. I'm Nadine Blaney here with David Scott. Scotty, how was your day? It's been excellent. You know, you're right about the year. I feel like the other uh, download bar when you like, when you download something, it's like, yeah, it's probably up to like almost 75% there. <laughs> it just keeps going. Like, no, it's 5G uh, this, this this year, despite being locked down and everything else for, for a big chunk of it. Uh, it seems to be going very, very quickly. It sure is. Okay, it'll be Christmas cheer in... Uh, yeah, before you know it. But uh, speaking of, look, I don't want to be too cheerful. It was a negative session here in Australia. The XJO off by eight tenths of one percent. But all things said and done, I mean, we saw pretty significant selling in the U.S. overnight, and that was in all sectors. That was in the small cap space. Energy was the worst performer, um, and it looked like the session was going to be worse when we opened today. But we saw some buying pushing in late in the afternoon, particularly in the financials. Yeah, the big four banks are down uh, pretty heavily early on, but uh, managed to go and crawl back. I think uh, in the end, there was a mixed performance. I think Westpac was down slightly. I think the others were all up a little bit, uh, but uh, it was a nice recovery. But uh, everything, we would like to go and do relativity here. And uh, I won't give the uh, performance of the XJO in, uh, in US dollar terms okay. over the past 24 hours, because I can promise you it's much bigger than the falls that we saw uh, on at least the Dow Jones overnight. But uh, no, if you don't want to go measure it against the rest of the world, uh, we've performed uh, reasonably in Aussie dollar terms. Okay, so in um, around the region, we saw the Nikkei off by more than 1%, the Korean Kospi down by 2.5%. And of course, today's session comes off a 2.5% gain here in Australia. Yesterday, you mentioned the banks. Westpac clearly in focus, getting slapped with a massive fine for its for its bad behavior, particularly in relation to uh, money laundering. And uh, this was in relation to the charges that were first brought against it by Oztrack last uh, November. And the bank provisioned for it, didn't provision enough. It's going to have to provision a further $404 million in the upcoming annual report. Look, Westpac wasn't down significantly today. Perhaps it's because investors are, well, we knew that this was coming. We know that the banks have behaved badly and perhaps happy to see the door shutting uh, with a big fine, but still shutting them nonetheless on a pretty, pretty dismal um, period for the bank. Yes, let's hope the uh, KYC and AML uh, disaster, which is, uh, has unfolded at that bank, is now over. And just in general, no, I, I was when I was back in my finance days, no, it was uh, very much front and center of, uh, of what was going on. So I can't believe that we're sitting here. No, it's been over a decade, I think, since like, mm-hmm. no, almost a decade since I finished up in banking. And uh, we're still running into these issues. Of course, we saw earlier this week uh, as well, a lot of banks getting into, I uh, know, uh, concerns about what was happening there because of leaked reports that came out yep. detailing further signs. So uh, it's really an area that needs to be tidied up. And uh, this is not a, a $1.3 billion no check to go and deliver like you know how serious it is then hopefully uh, 
nothing more. But the banks here are also in focus because there's always the conversation as to when they start to offer good value given you know, the Australian economy is opening up. There's not, uh, as far as we know so far, massive pain in the housing market. Uh, particularly, I spoke with the CEO of uh, Heritage Bank earlier today, Peter Locke, and he was saying that they've been pretty surprised at the capacity of their borrowers to handle uh, you know, this downturn. And they have only about 6% of their loan book on deferred payments. And most of them who they contact uh, are able to resume their payments and a lot of them he said were actually in a better financial position they were um, you know ahead in their mortgage payments so a lot of them that had initially contacted the bank to defer didn't go down that route but I'm, I'm digressing from Westpac um, you know yeah that that question of value I spoke with Peter Morgan last week you you missed that one that was a shame I was I was blinded <laughs> under the weather <laughs> the, the best um, way, best way to but he it. told me last week he said look I didn't take a big position but he said Westpac was what he named as a as, as a as a bank that he's put a bit of money into. Yeah, well, it doesn't surprise me. And, like, I made this point uh, in my view yesterday in the newsletter about uh, you know, there's very divergent outcomes when it comes to economic and, uh, and health outcomes between us and the rest of the world. And it's not to say that the rest of the world doesn't matter. Clearly it does. But we need to go and start you know, having a look at what's uh, impacting here and now in Australia. And uh, I've got to say, like we saw today, I think it was like 12 new cases in uh, Victoria when it came to the virus. Yeah. Uh, there was none again here in New South Wales. We've got the border between New South Wales and South Australia now open. Life is slowly returning to normal. I can see around here in the Sydney CBD. Yeah. Thankfully, there are people coming back and uh, it's, it's starting to go and resemble uh, normality again. So uh, it's, it's to say that I know obviously there's some challenges overseas, but for the time being, we seem to be handling it pretty well. And I'm glad to see today the buying in the big four banks just rip of sense, if anything, that uh, there is a bit of divergence and people are seeing that rather than just following the leader in Wall Street. Okay, so the Westpac, the bank, was the stock of the day earlier on. So I will note that just because I think one of our guests does reference the share price of Westpac. So this was about noon hour in Sydney. Um, but we asked two expert guests what they think of Westpac as an investment opportunity. Here's what Andrew Veitland from DP Wealth Advisory had to say to start. From a market point of view, and it's interesting to note that even though they're down about 1%, they Westpac are down about 1%, so are the rest of the banks. So, you know, right. they haven't fallen much more than the other banks. So I think the market's actually taking that as good news. Um, are they investable? Uh, no, I don't think so. And But I also say that pretty much for all the big four banks. But certainly banks are under immense pressure that uh, those NIMs, those net interest margins, um, interest rates are going nowhere. If anything, potentially falling a little bit further. You've got one in five customers ghosting their banks on the $274 billion uh, that is currently on loan deferral at the moment. Uh, we have an anemic economy, so certainly you don't want to have, you definitely don't want to be overweight banks. Arguably, you probably want to be underweight banks. Yeah, if you're constructing a portfolio at the moment, you're definitely underweight banks. Um, the problem is that most portfolios have been overweight banks for many, many years. It's been the easy investment choice. Um, so if you're holding it, I don't know if there's too many people would be encouraging long-term investors to sell banks at these levels. Don't, don't okay. put banks in your portfolio. The other thing too on the margin side of things, I think uh, the market's expecting the RBA to cut interest rates down to 10 basis points when it next meets. So yeah. that net interest margin that uh, Andrew spoke about is just going to get even tougher okay. for the banks. And that is what Rob Portlet from Macro had to say about Westpac. And as you mentioned, Scuddy, the big four banks, well, we had a flat finish for CBA. NAB was up by three quarters of a percent. ANZ half a percent. 
Westpac down, but just by one tenth of a percent. Bit of a rabble, but yeah, we'll take it. Okay, so let's talk. Well, let's talk RBA, shall we? Had the chance to speak with Justin Smirk from Westpac. Of course, Bill Evans' big call coming yesterday did set a cat amongst the pigeon. He says it's going to be a Team Australia moment. RBA rate cut and the bond yield target TFF all moving along in lockstep with that. And um, and then we had overnight uh, a couple of reports coming from, well, media columnists saying that, uh, look, we're getting too far ahead of ourselves, that the bank will likely not move on budget night, but would wait until November. Yeah, so a couple of RBA watchers who are noted is, uh, and generally go and get it right. So often seem to be the mouthpieces for the bank. And, just, I was just sitting there and thinking about this. So from a 2020 perspective, we've been talking about how many central bank speeches we've got this week. Now, I've had one from Guy de Bell, who's, uh, the deputy governor here of the RBA. But realistically, around the world, we've had lots of information. And like by and large, most of it's been pretty useful. And we've got people communicating ideas. But the one thing that strikes me is that it's 2020, and the RBA is still using journalists to go and correct market pricing. Now, that tells me that the bank's communications policy is broken. If it can't go and at least give a fairly strong guide to the markets as to what's coming, which it has done in the past, uh, I just question why it's not making itself more transparent, doing more media, doing more communication events to go and actually tell businesses, tell households what is going on in this, uh, this day and age. We know that we're facing a pretty bad economic outcome, even though we're, you know, there's optimistic signs there, no doubt. But uh, you want to go and be upfront. And we know, yes, that uh, interest rates are going to be low for a very long time. But what's this games? Like, why do we use you know, these coded words and get to know uh, people to go and communicate via other means rather than directly from the bank itself? To me, I think we deserve better. It's, uh, other central banks have shown the way, particularly in RBNZ, across the other ditch, who I think do a fantastic job, a lot more transparent than, uh, than our central bank. Well, if that is what happened, if the bank did telegraph to those known um, columnists, but the conversation with Justin Smirk was interesting because Westpac believes that if the RBA is going to move, they'll do so in October because if they waited till November, it would almost be saying that the budget didn't work, that there wasn't enough fiscal policy. Mm. And Justin Smirk said, look, I'm not in the Canberra bubble, you know, so don't know some of the politics behind it. But he was saying that's sort of behind their theory is why October as well is because you know, the government comes out with this policy document, big fiscal spending, which we heard a little bit of a preview from coming from Josh Frydenberg today. Uh, you know, no talk of surplus for quite some time clearly to come. And then you get the RBA coming out in November and uh, taking a monetary policy decision while fizzle, right? Yeah, look, uh, I, I've been on the record a few weeks back that uh, I thought the uh, RBA would have more in the tank to go and do. And uh, I hope that the bank does do that. I want to see it do everything it possibly can here and now to go and support the recovery. Yes, I know there's some mechanical issues behind uh, what, uh, what might transpire. We go and reduce the cash rate down to 10 basis points, the term funding facility down to that, including the possibility of negative interest rates in the, uh, in the money market, so particularly through BBSW. But uh, for the greater good, 15 basis points or whatever it will go and translate to, uh, to borrowing costs for households and businesses and lower borrowing costs for state governments, the federal government to go and help finance this recovery. I know that it's going to take many, many years. I'm all for it. So hopefully we do get that Team Australia moment arrive on October 6th. Okay, and we are hanging out for the budget, so we will continue to digest that. Um, listen, we had well a number of great interviews. One uh, that I'll mention just because it's sort of stock move related is iCandy. So it's a developer of some of the biggest mobile games in the world. It's a pretty big market. 
It's a massive market, actually, and a massive market in China. Don't want to undersell it. The share price today was up by 23% after it announced uh, an alignment with Alibaba. Now, there is still some ways to go, um, but still, it's looking to that Chinese market. It's raised capital, about 2.45 million in new funding over just a few days. And if you'd like to listen to that interview, you can do so via the show notes. So it's iCandy's chair that we spoke with about lots of the blue sky that uh, is apparently ahead for that group. Um, hey, listen, it's a Friday tomorrow. I think we've mentioned that already. No real data here at home to speak of. It'll be some more digesting of uh, what the what the central bankers say overnight. Yeah. Oh, look, I think we've got the preliminary uh, trade data. Do we? I, I, think, I think that's coming out tomorrow. I, I could be wrong. My, my brain does have a lot of things that rattle around in it, but I think we have the preliminary trade data. But um, yeah, look, that's not going to go and move the dial too much uh, if it is out indeed. But uh, yeah, look, uh, it's all about uh, no sentiment at the moment. Politics is a massive factor at the moment, particularly US politics, uh, and also health outcomes in Europe and, uh, and parts of the United States. To me, that's going to be like the clear factor. And we've seen already, we're coming into this quarter end period uh, and we've all got these oh no, articles out there talking about rebalancing and having to go and bring portfolios back into shape after some pretty extreme moves during the uh, September quarter. So I reckon that was going to go and play a pretty big part on what's going on. We're already seeing some fairly significant moves both in tech stocks and the US dollar, two assets that have had pretty big moves uh, during the last three months. Yeah, I'm not seeing preliminary trade data there, but I'll look into it because I'll give it to you. You're, you're normally right on this front, Scotty. So uh, we'll, f- we'll find out one way or another. If it's not out, I, p- I apologize to everyone out there. But as I've, got, I've got so many things yeah, around yeah. said. I uh, yeah, I concur. Okay, so yeah, we've got a lot of Fed speakers out tonight, and um, tomorrow we'll be speaking with Tim Mulholland. He's founder of TJM Limited, so he'll take us through all the market moves through the overnight period. We'll get a read on the Aussie dollar. We haven't talked about the Aussie uh, down around two month lows last I checked. So we'll get a wrap-up of that from Michael Judge. He is head of Australia and New Zealand at OFX. Uh, Junbei Liu from Tribeca, Adam Dawes from Sean Partner are on the call. You'll have to tune in to find out what the stock of the day is. And I think just when the wines are starting to open up tomorrow, we've got Jeffrey Halley, Senior Market Analyst at Uwanda, joining us as he does. Also, Jeff's coming in about 11 o'clock, is he? <laughs> yeah, no, 3.30 that one is. And uh, you'll be taking us right to the close at about... 410, 4.15. Looks like I'll have to go and wait for my, uh, my first glass of wine tomorrow. Yeah, all right, Scotty, it's been fun. Once again, let's wrap it here. Sounds good, we'll see you all tomorrow. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.